we are going to start in the book of Jonah. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, if you'd go ahead and open to Jonah chapter 1, and we're just going to look at the first uh, three verses this morning um, in Jonah's story, the book that's named after him. So this is Jonah. Read along with me. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So the book of Jonah, it starts off with something really amazing. Before uh, we get um, to, uh, to a storm, to fish, to flowers, we start off with just something amazing and huge here. This first verse of Jonah itself is miraculous, that God speaks to Jonah. God, who is in sovereign, faithful control of all time and all history, that he speaks directly to Jonah. He speaks to him in a way that he hears, in a way that he understands, in a way that Jonah um, is able to identify that it is God himself speaking to him. A way that communicates to Jonah that God's at work, he's doing something, and he is inviting, he's pulling Jonah in to be a part of it. So verse 1, we see God speaks to Jonah. This is huge. We don't want to move past this in a way that we don't stop and make pause and, and just identify that this is a big deal. The God of all time, all history, all creation speaks directly to Jonah. And what does he do? In verse 2, we read, God sends him. God sends Jonah. He tells him to do three things. He says to arise, to get up. He says to go, to go to that great city of Nineveh. And he says to call out, to call out against Nineveh. He's, he's really clearly, just in, in, in this one verse of verse two, he says, get up, go, call out. Couldn't be any clearer what he expected of Jonah. He not only tells him what to do, he also, he, he also makes sense of it. He tells Jonah why he wants him to do it. Why get up? Why go? Why call out? Because the evil, the wickedness of Nineveh, it has, it has risen up to God. It has entered the presence of God. Now, when God tells us to do something, when God speaks directly to us and he tells us to do something, the correct response is one of obedience. It's one of listening and responding. Obeying with the idea in mind that, that God is out for our good, that he is faithful and true, that he calls us into experiences that are for our good and for the good of others. We respond in obedience in a way that, that speaks to the importance that, that God has in our lives, that de our desire to, to please him and honor him, it comes first, it's paramount, it's huge for us. And we obey in a way that we expect our obedience for God to be faithful in such a way that he extends blessing to others through the way that we obey. So this is the right response, okay? But this is not Jonah's response. Jonah responds in verse 3. But when, God he when Jonah hears God's voice, um, he hears it, he recognizes it. But for some reason, Jonah hears it as, as an option, he hears it as something that needs to be recognized, acknowledged, but then follow through that whole obedience piece. It's kind of give or take. It's yes or no. It's kind of a maybe for him. 
And so what he does, he responds not with obedience, not with what God expects for us when we, when we hear from him, but he responds with conspiracy and treason. He does one thing that God tells him to do. He gets up, but then the obedience, it stops right there. He got up not to go to the people of Nineveh, but Jonah got up to run. He came up with this plan. He was going to go to Tarshish, which is the complete opposite direction from Nineveh. Some people say that Nineveh, if we've got all these places right, Nineveh and Tarshish, they're about 2,000 miles apart, that he was not just kind of taking a leisurely stroll down the road in the wrong direction. We're not talking about trying, supposed to go to Homewood, but we're going to go down to Hoover instead, okay? We're talking about a 2,000-mile difference. He goes down to Tarshish, headed in the wrong direction. He went to the seaport town of Joppa in order to get on a ship and go to Tarshish. And Tarshish itself, which uh, is generally modern-day Spain, at that time, it was kind of known as the end of the world, like the end of the known world. He was getting on the ship, and he was heading as far as he possibly could. He paid the fee, and then he settled in below deck. Now, I picture Jonah kind of like our buddy in this short film this morning. He, um, he ran frantically. He ran fast, but he ran constantly looking over his shoulder, seeing what was behind him, knowing that the saving presence of God was never going to leave him, even in the middle of his disobedience. I kind of think of Jonah as like this teenager that hears something from his parents. He, he hears something that he doesn't want to do, and instead of obeying, he does this really extreme response. It's like, son, clean your room. Well, I don't want to clean my room, so I'm going to pack my bag, and I'm going to get on a bus, I'm going to hit the Greyhound, and I'm headed to L.A., right? That's kind of what has happened here. God has spoken to Jonah, and Jonah has clearly said no. He's acted like a fool. A fool is a person who acts unwisely or imprudently. He's making a dumb decision in his obedient, disobedience towards God. So obviously, when we see this, we have to know that Jonah has an issue with God's instructions. He's got some sort of problem with what God has asked, asked him to do. God told him to do one thing, and Jonah, instead of stepping into obedience, he moves in the exact extreme opposite direction of what God has said. He is running He's running geographically, running from the place that he was sent, that he was commissioned. Now, God sent him to the great city of Nineveh, and Nineveh was an, an Assyrian city. Um, it was well-known. It was well-fortified. Um, it was large. It had existed for over a thousand years. This is not a flash in a pan, okay? So Nineveh itself was very, very well known. And we don't know of the specific wickedness or evil that rose up to the presence of God, but what we do know is the deep roots um, of, of pagan worship and pagan idolatry, pagan practice, things that are opposite the desire and the will of God. Nineveh was steeped really deeply in these things. But God was sending Jonah He's sending Jonah as a missionary from his chosen family from Israel to Nineveh, to the Gentiles, to those outside of Israel, outside of God's family. Now, Jonah might have been opposed to going to the Ninevites for fear that they might actually repent. Um, it's, it's possible that whenever Jonah heard God's call to go to Nineveh, he knew that they were living in rebellion against God, and he wanted them to get exactly what they deserved from God. 
They had been living against his will, and he thought they should be punished for it. It's also possible that he, he just didn't want to go and extend the goodness of God to somebody that was outside of the family of God. It's possible that his own bigotry was keeping him from going. It was putting him in a place where he just kind of dug his heels in the sand, and he refused to go. But one thing is true in Jonah's biography. The issue wasn't just Nineveh. It wasn't what was going on there. The issue itself that Jonah was running from was not a place, was not a location, was not a city. Jonah was running from the presence of God. He didn't want to just not go where God had told him to go. He didn't want to be around the God who would tell him to go there in the first place. He wanted to leave God's presence. Now, Jonah, um, he may have been a fool, but he was a smart Jewish boy. He knew that he could never literally outrun the presence of God. Jonah would have known that God is omnipresent, that he is in all places at all times. He would have known that God is omniscient, that God knows all things as they happen. He would have known these things. He would have known the writings of David. This may be one text that's coming to mind for you as we're talking about this. He would have known the writings of David. He would have been familiar with what David wrote in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Give a read to this. It says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell, listen to this, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. If I say surely, if I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. Hiding in the belly of a ship is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, the darkness is as light with you. Jonah would have known these things. Jonah would have known that hiding in the darkness of a ship or sailing out in sea away from everything that was familiar, he would have known that countless thousand miles would never separate him from the presence of God. Now, Jonah, this is something that he was running from, but for you this morning, this may be a word of comfort that we can never outrun the presence of God. We are never outside of his sight outreach of his grasp. God is always with us. But this is not what Jonah wanted. This is kind of like Jonah's response here. This is kind of like um, calling a young child by name and them knowing that you are asking them to do something that they don't want to do. And so when you call them by name, instead of coming to you, what do they do? They run into another room, right? They run like they can get away from you. Like my six foot four stride cannot jump toward them very quickly. They run, they move, they think that they can outstep the presence of the one who has called them or is coming after them. This may or may not be a regular occurrence in our house, but this is kind of how Jonah is responding to God. He's taking this step like he can outrun him, like he can move away from him. He was making this bold statement that he was not going to do what God had told him to do. He knew that even if he went to Tarshish, God was going to be there. And that God knew his plan, his intent to stay away from Nineveh. God was calling him, and he was ignoring it. He was sending it straight to voicemail because he didn't want to hear it, and he didn't want to do it. 
For Jonah, this idea of Tarshish, this place that he would sail and he would go, it was his place of escape where he could go and he would be the ruler of his own dominion. He could do what he wanted to do and his will was the one that reigned. There was no space of of conviction or accountability. He thought he would go to this place where he could go and be on his own and not have to respond in obedience to what God has called him to do. He just wanted to be in control. When we look at this text this morning and we look at these three verses, we see God's call, we see Jonah's response. I think there are two questions that we have to dig into as we look at this passage. The first question for us is, do I hear God? Ask yourself this question this morning, do I hear God? Jonah heard God, he heard him clear, unmistakably, in a way that caused him to give money, board a boat, and run to the other side of the known world. Jonah heard him crystal clear, do I, do you, do we hear God? And then the second question we have to ask as we look at this passage is, do I run toward God's presence? Do I run to him? Or do I run away from him? So do I hear God, and do I run toward God's presence or away from him? This first question, do I hear God? We're going to look at, um, at the first three verses. We've been in the first three verses of Jonah. We're going to move to the first three verses of the book of Hebrews. Because what the writer of Hebrews does is he tells us how we can hear God, how we have heard God. So if you want to look real briefly with me here, this is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It'll be on the screen. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What the writer of Hebrews tells us is that his voice doesn't sound the same as it did when he spoke to Jonah. The words are the same, the character of his tone is steady, but his means have changed. God used to speak through prophets like Jonah. He would speak to them and then they would speak. They would say difficult things in a really difficult time. They would do their job and God would speak. His presence would be, would be made known. But they were always pointing, Jonah and all the prophets, they were always speaking words and always pointing to Jesus the living word that would come, that would forever speak God's character, his nature, and his plan for relationship with all mankind. So God used to, be, used to speak through the prophets, but now he has spoken through Jesus. Look at this text again. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the power of his word. Jesus is the outshining of the glory of God. If God is like the sun, the bright star that shines in the sky, Jesus is the light and heat that carries to us all the fullness of God's goodness to us. He makes God known to us. He provides for us life through his own perfect life through his own sacrificial death, where he gives himself up selflessly and willingly for our own disobedience. And he gives us life through his resurrection, through coming back from the dead and standing in victory for us. 
So do I hear God? Well, we, we hear God through Jesus, finally through Jesus. We hear his voice. And how do we know of Jesus? How do we hear of Jesus? How do we grow to love and know and understand and follow him? We do that through the Bible. We do that through, through God's word. We also hear God's voice through his spirit. Anybody that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, that has handed their lives over to him, the spirit of God comes to live inside of us. That spirit speaks to us. He, he tells us truth. He leads us in the direction that God would have us to go. And sometimes the spirit of God living inside of us, I can hear it just like we're standing in front of one another. Sometimes I hear God speak to me, not audibly like Morgan Freeman, but I hear him through, through my wife, who the Spirit of God lives inside and speaks truth to me. I hear it through my friends who offer comfort and counsel to me because the Spirit of God lives inside of them and speaks truth to me. Now, the thing about these things, about hearing the Spirit of God in our own lives and hearing the Spirit of God through the mouths of our friends, is that the, Spirit, that the Word of God is never contradicting against itself. So what we hear, what we feel, how we feel the Lord is leading us or how our friends encourage us, it will always be affirmed and confirmed through the written, written word of God as it's been given to us within the Bible. Do we hear God? Do we hear him inside of us? If you've given your life to Jesus, this is not a question this is not an opt-in. The Spirit of God lives in you, speaks to you, and is, and is calling you always into deeper relationship with himself. Do you hear him? When you open the word of God, do you read it as a textbook? Or do you read it as the living words of God speaking to you and to me? Do we hear God? I have to tell you, friends, that I... Um, I am a fool just like Jonah. I don't know if any of the, any other ones of you in this room would admit that same thing. But if you read this text and you hear Jonah, see Jonah hear from God, and you see that he doesn't like what he hears and he wants to turn and run, I have found myself in that place many times. I have heard God's word. It's been clear to me. I've listened to it, but I've not wanted to hear what he has to say. I've heard God's voice before, and I've run. I've heard God's voice through the, the prompting of his Holy Spirit and the rapid beating heart in my chest, knowing that it's time to step, it's time to move, but I've not wanted to. I've read the Bible. I've heard God's voice, and I've ignored it. Now, it might have started out as, as maybe subtle questioning. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Will you hear what God's saying? And your response is kind of like what Eve said. Surely God didn't say. Surely that's not what he wants from me. Subtle doubt. I've want, known what God wanted me to do and just not liked it. Maybe because it was too uncomfortable. Maybe because I thought my way was better than his way. Or maybe because I just didn't want to do it. I know that I need to love my neighbor. I know that I do. I know that I need to love my neighbor and my enemies, too. That's what Jesus, the way of Jesus is, is loving our neighbors and loving our enemies so the goodness of God is known to others. But there are times where my selfishness wells up and I run hard for Tarshish. I head hard in the opposite direction. 
I know what God expects of me as a husband and a father, that I would love and lead with compassion, that I would interact consistently with my family in a way that, that the love and care of God would be known to them. But you want to know what? Sometimes I'm just, I'm too tired. And so what do I do? I put on my boots and I run for Tarshish. I run for the place where I think that I am safe and I can escape what God wants from me. I know that contentment and honesty are hallmark characteristics of the Christian life. I know that that is what God wants for me, but like Jonah, I am a fool. And I would rather preserve myself and live in want than to go where God has called me to go. We are all prone. It's not just me. We're all prone to run from things that we don't like to do. We do it physically. We do it mentally. We do it emotionally. We check out and we run like a fool to Tarshish, just like Jonah did. We intentionally or unintentionally create this place of escape where we think that we can rule just like Jonah thought that he could. We don't respond with obedience. We respond with disobedience. We don't react with a desire to please God, to extend goodness to others, but we have this muscle memory that pulls us into hiding, into shame, into fear, into wanting to retract away from God as far as possible so that we can do what we want and protect ourselves. We do this because of anger. We do this because of pride. We do this because of fear. And we do this because of this whole laundry list of things that have made this life all about me and not about God. Are you feeling this tension this morning? Anybody else lived there before knowing what God wants of you but not, just not being willing to listen? Not being willing to do it. Anytime that we run away from God, it is an offense towards him. It's a sin. It's not neutral space. It's not just a, a bypass. It is outright willful disobedience against God. It is an affront to his will and an exertion of putting forth of our own. But let me tell you, friends, there is good news for me. And there is good news for you that the loving kindness of God, it never, ever, 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 ever has an end. Ever. And that it is this kindness that never ends, that leads us to repentance, that calls us out of our rebellion and our disobedience back into right relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. His loving kindness towards us never, it never ends. So do I hear God? And do I run toward God or away from him? The good news of the Bible is that Jesus invites us to follow him in a way that brings joy, in a way that brings absolute fulfillment to us. Jesus invites us to follow him, to lay down our lives and to follow after him, to put down our own pursuits, to put down our own ambitions, and to just take a step of faithful trust. He invites us to respond with that initial step of salvation, that initial seed of faith that says, I knew that this life had to be about something more than me, and now I know in Jesus it's going to be about you. So that initial step of faith, but then every step after that as we follow Jesus as his disciple. He doesn't always tell us the end destination. We're not always like Jonah. He doesn't always say, go here. He sometimes just says, go. But he does promise to be with us. 
He promises to never leave, leave us in every step. His presence will be with us by his spirit. He invites us not to run from his presence, but to run toward it. The Bible tells us about a time in Matthew at chapter 26 where Jesus heard the voice of God and he didn't like what he heard. He asked for something different. This is Matthew 26, uh, verses 36 through 39. Before this, Jesus has been with his disciples, with his closest friends, and he told them that he was going to be betrayed and he was going to die. That he was heard from his father and he was telling them what he had heard. So then he took some of his friends and he went to a place to pray. And this is where we pick up in verse 36 of chapter 26. Then Jesus went with them to, the, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be, to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus was sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. And listen to what he said. My father, if it is possible, let this cup, let this suffering, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus does this three times in this one section, not just once, but three times saying, God, if there's another way, if there's another way aside from my death to accomplish your plan of reconciling mankind to yourself, if there's another way, let's do that. But Jesus doesn't follow the foolishness of Jonah. He doesn't run from his difficult assignment, and he doesn't run from the presence of God. He faces his task, and he responds honestly. He responds honestly. He stands in our place, the place where we respond out of anger or fear or frustration from God, what God wants from us, and he responds by saying, God, this is not about me. This is about you. He responds with desperate honesty. If there's any other way, he responds with trust, but not my will, but yours be done. And he responds with ultimate obedience, taking that cup of suffering all the way to the cross and accomplishing for us salvation. This perfect obedience, what he does in this moment, is what he hands over to us at his resurrection. He takes our record, my record of disobedience, of fear, of responding out of my own desire and my own will. He takes it and he exchanges his perfect record of obedience to us, those who place their faith and trust in Jesus. That through the blood of Christ, the obedience of Jesus stands over us as a covering, making a way for us to have a right relationship with God so that the next time that we hear from him, by the power of God's spirit, we would make the choice to follow the way of Jesus in obedience. That we would act in a way that shows that we trust him and, and that is more, of more value to us than anything else in life and that we want the goodness of God to be extended to those who are around us because of our obedience to God. That by the spirit of God living inside of us, we would choose to follow the way of Jesus with trust and with obedience. So this morning, how will we respond to how we hear God? Will we run toward him? 
or will we run away from him? There are people in this room, this may be you, there are people in this room this morning that when I talk about hearing the voice of God, you're hearing him loud and clear for the first time today. And what you are hearing is an invitation to to come into a relationship with a God who loves you, who you can trust, who is out for your good, and who has sent his son Jesus in order to make a way for you to have relationship with him. There are some of you this morning that whenever you hear about this opportunity to take, take this faith in Jesus and let your life live from there, you are interested, you want to respond. And let me tell you this morning that the word of God tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, I would invite you to consider calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Hear his voice and respond. There are also people in this room um, that we have heard God's voice before and we just have not liked what we've heard. We've heard it and we don't want to forgive. We don't want to love. We don't want to trust others. And the idea of even doing some of these things, it is scary and it brings about some hurt that we don't even know what to do with. This morning, let us learn from the fool Jonah. Let us not run away from the presence of God, but stop running and run toward him. Let us take on the obedience, the the way of Christ, and do what God has called us to do, to love, to forgive, to do the hard thing that we have stood against. And then there are some that it's not about, it's not about running from Nineveh. It's not about running from the person that you need to forgive or love or trust. It's about running from the presence of God. God has called some of us in this room to something. And we've known it. You've known it. It may be something that you've not talked to anybody else about. But there is this thing that you think might, maybe, God may be calling you to do something different, something specific, It may just be that God is calling you to share the gospel with the person that that you sit next to, that your office is next to at work, or the kid that you are um, in the same group with at camp, or the mom that lives next door to you, that God has been calling you, he's been telling you, share the gospel with them, and you have dug your heels in and just said, it's way too uncomfortable, I'm not going to do it. Let this be the morning where we say yes. Say yes to what God has called us to. You may have placed your faith in Jesus, but you have been struggling with the idea of making that public for everyone to see, to put your feet on the ground and your feet in the water and move forward in baptism. You may have, for one reason or another, say, God, I know that's what you want, but I'm not going to do it. God may be calling you to ministry, to give your life to serve the church and bring people to saving faith in Jesus. And the idea of that is so scary, you can't even say it out loud. Maybe it's missions. Maybe you've heard God's voice clearly, and he has said, go. And you've said, I'm not even going to get a passport. There's no way I'm going. Whatever it is, friends, we have to remember that God's presence is with us, period, And this morning is an opportunity to hear his voice afresh and not run away from his presence, run away from his calling, but to run to it, to say yes. Where do you fall this morning? Where is this for you? 
What are you hearing God say now, or what did you hear God say yesterday that today you need to say yes? Will you pray with me? Father, this morning we know that you are here, that your presence is in this room, that you are among your people. And we read the story of Jonah and we, we look at him and we see him running from you and we think, how crazy is that? Why would he do that? And then we step back and take a look at our own lives and we ask that question, what have we heard you say and, and which way are we running and God, I pray that this morning that your spirit would do that work that he does among us in this room together as a family, that we would hear your voice and that we would run to you, that we would say yes to you. God, whatever you want, whatever your call, whatever you want to do with my life, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want me to say, God, yes. Church family, I want you to uh, take your worship guide. And on the inside, Danny talked about that connection card. I want you to go ahead and rip that thing out right now. Go ahead and pull that out. And I am confident this morning that God is doing something here. And he's doing it in our lives. And whatever it is that you need to say yes to, Write it down on that thing. Write it down, flip it over on the back. There's a place that says prayer requests. We're gonna take just a second and I want you to write down what is it that you have dug your heels in the ground on and you've said no to and this morning you're willing to say yes. Write it down on the back. Let us know that. Let us pray for you. Let us pray with you. If you're here this morning and you have never placed your faith in Jesus and today is the day for you to say yes, I, I wanna confess that I need Jesus. I wanna turn from my my, my own way, and I want to turn toward God through Jesus, write that down on there. I've said yes to Jesus for the first time today. And then at the end of the service, come down front. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. We know that the word of God does not return void, and the Holy Spirit uses it in our lives. Write it down. Write down whatever it is that he has done or is doing. God, we trust you. We trust you with what we write on these cars and we trust you with the things that we're scared to even put down for somebody else to read. God, we want to say yes to you and we know that when we do, that you are with us, you will never leave us. We can never escape your presence, God. So as we hear your voice today and any other day, Father, we pray that we would run, we would run to you and we would say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.